This week, former President Donald Trump was hit with additional charges in his indictment relating to the classified documents at Mar-a-Lago. We also are going to be talking about Hunter Biden being in court on a plea deal that was not accepted by the judge. And with us to break down these cases is one of Chicago's most experienced and most sought-after criminal defense attorney, Stephen Greenberg. He's the founder of legal firm of Greenberg Trial Lawyers. He's had more than three and a half decades of experience it doesn't look that old, handling a wide variety of cases, white collar crimes, criminal appeals. He's a fierce advocate. He was involved in R. Kelly, Drew Peterson, and some uh, other very, very high profile cases. Hi, Steve. Thank you for joining me. Hi, Karen. How are you? And thanks for the the compliment uh, sure. because you're seeing me on the radio <laughs> you you are you get yourself in the fray of some of the most important cases and i always say when people are really in big trouble they have to hire the big guns so uh you know that's you're you're judged by your clients in some way so that's uh i guess that's a that's a compliment here let's uh let's talk about the Department of Justice issuing a superseding indictment can you first tell our listeners what a superseding indictment is Sure. A superseding indictment is just a amended indictment. Superseding is just another word for amended. So oftentimes in cases, what they will do is they will uh, charge some people and then approach other people and say, look, you're going to end up in this case that we've already brought unless you play ball with us. Uh, they're trying to flip people. Or they might learn additional information as their investigation continues. Just because the federal government brings an indictment, it doesn't mean that they've stopped in their tracks with their investigation. So what does this superseding indictment add as far as, uh, obviously, it adds a defendant, and there's a defendant uh, named Carlos de Oliveira, who's named now in this indictment. But can you also tell us a little bit about what other facts now are being alleged? Well, this, uh, these additional charges are in some ways worse uh, for Trump because what the government is saying in the new indictment or in the superseding indictment is that when he found out that they were questioning whether he had documents uh, and they might come looking for them, he called people and he said, you know, uh, destroy any evidence that said that we did anything. Walter Nuda, who has proven to be fiercely loyal, and and I don't think there's any chance he's going to testify against Trump, uh, actually changed his plans, got on a plane, and according to the indictment, flew to Mar-a-Lago, where he then engaged this other gentleman, and they went about uh, trying to destroy video footage that that they didn't want the government to discover. Um, Obstruction is a very serious charge. Uh, and when an obstruction charge comes in during a trial, uh, then then the jurors will say to themselves, well, if you didn't do anything wrong, then why are you trying to destroy evidence? Well, that, so it, yeah. it, it's bad. Yeah, that's that really struck out stuck out to me because Trump has said, oh, these I could have declassified or I didn't have them or I gave. But again, you're absolutely right. So why would you get put so much energy into destroying surveillance footage if 
you didn't think that you did anything wrong. And I, I think you're right. I think this is going to be very serious for him. I want to talk a little bit about loyalty. Um, this this guy, Nauta, who is sort of a valet or aide to Trump, um, and also this new defendant, uh, D. Oliveira, who I believe was the property manager at Mar-a-Lago, seemed to be doing the bidding for for Donald Trump. And, you know, he's a big man. He's a he's a charismatic man uh, to some extent that some people think. Uh, and he's a powerful man. He was former president of the free world. So what what will it take for them to maybe realize that they might do time in jail away from their families and they might lose their freedom? And what and then maybe it's their best interest to testify honestly in order to get a plea deal. Do you think that's going to happen? And what what has to happen before that does occur? Well, if you look at uh, Nuda, Nuda was a career military officer, and military people are tremendously loyal. Uh, they are trained, and they believe in doing anything and everything that their commander wants them to do. And he left the military when Trump left the presidency to go work for him. I don't think that, that he's going to make a decision to cooperate. I think he's going to go down uh, with the ship if the ship goes down. With this other gentleman, there, there are some reports that Trump had assured him that he wasn't going to get in trouble, uh, that Trump had provided a lawyer for him. Um, my guess is that that lawyer had also assured him that he wasn't going to get in trouble. Um, and he's the kind of person who is much more likely to to sort of look at the tea leaves and say, I'm not going to jail for this man, uh, because when he goes to jail, I'm going to be out of work anyway. What's interesting, though, Karen, is they're not the only ones involved. If you look at the indictment and you look at some of the, the reports, you know, the anonymous reports of people talking, they approached other people at Mar-a-Lago and said, you have to help us erase this information and so forth. They didn't know how to do it. So those other people have not been charged. Now, somebody had to tell the government that this conduct occurred. So, again, reading between the lines, I'm certain that they already have some witnesses who were involved with this alleged cover-up that are going to come forward and testify against Trump and Nuda and, and uh, this other gentleman. Now, if Donald Trump is paying for a lawyer for this new defendant, um, is, is it possible that these lawyers can kind of have a... Do you think the defense is going to be a cohesive defense? Do you think that they're all going to be on the same page? Or is this just going to be finger-pointing? Because I always think the more people involved in a, in a trial, the more likely you're going to have inconsistent testimony if, in fact, they testify. And there's the more idea of, like, I did it because he told me to do it. And I, you know, the kind of the pointing the finger thing. Do you think this is going to be lockstep defense or do you think this is going to be a finger pointing defense? Uh, I am uh, not involved in the defense, so I would just be speculating. But uh, in federal court, you can have finger pointing defenses where defendants are pointing the finger at each other. Uh, In state court, you would never have that. You would have a severance in a separate trial. In federal court, they get around it by telling the jurors, you know, only consider that testimony uh, in against the defendant who's doing the finger pointing, not the person he's pointing at, uh, which is absolutely ridiculous because, of course, nobody does that. Um, but uh, I, I'm always concerned 
when someone at the top is providing lawyers or paying the legal fees because the lawyers certainly will feel a certain loyalty they want to get paid and if if you know if, if walter nuda's lawyer all of a sudden said well he's going to testify against donald trump a man who's got a, a reputation for not paying bills that lawyer's not going to get paid um i am uh, uh involved in um one aspect of the uh of this inve- not this investigation on the documents but the january 6th investigation representing someone who who was involved on trump's end and we said we're not going to be paid by him for that exact reason because we don't want anyone to think that they're buying us or our clients loyalty uh, but it happens that makes sense. Let's take a break, and we're going to talk a little bit about the Hunter Biden uh, plea deal. But I do want to uh, announce that uh, Patrick Dolan has agreed to stay around. So at 4.30, I'll be taking legal questions. And if you have questions, more questions about employment and labor, which seems like you had had, I'm looking at the uh, phone lines, and I'm looking at the text, and it seems like there's a lot of questions. So we'll be taking those calls at 4.30. Meanwhile, we're talking to Stephen Greenberg, and this is WGN. Welcome back. We're talking to Stephen Greenberg. He's a great lawyer here in Chicago. He does criminal defense work. Steve, why don't you give out your contact information if anyone uh, has any questions or legal matters pertaining to criminal defense, whether it's white collar or otherwise. Uh, Stephen Greenberg. Sure. Uh, My cell phone is 312-399-2711. And you get me if you call that number. Or you can reach us at Greenberg. Uh, com. Let's talk a little bit about Hunter Biden. Uh, he was in court this past week. Uh, there were charges regarding taxes that he didn't pay, and there was a gun charge. And can you just tell our listeners what happened in court and um, and why it happened? Um, well, uh, <laughs> why it happened is a tougher question. Uh, so Hunter Biden was charged with misdemeanor tax offenses for not paying taxes on uh, over a million and a half dollars in income that he received. Um, And he received the income during the time that he was addicted to drugs. Uh, We've all seen the the pictures, I'm sure, of him uh, doing crack and things like that with other people. Uh, Normally, not paying your taxes does not uh, land you a felony charge. It's actually normally prosecuted as a misdemeanor. It's being prosecuted here as a misdemeanor. Uh, the people, you know, you pay back the money you owe, you pay the penalties, you pay the fees. And, uh, of course, there's many people who get tax liability and, and don't ever get charged with anything at all. Then he was also charged with possessing a firearm while he was addicted to drugs. I have to tell you, Karen, that not only have I never seen that charge brought against somebody before, but uh, in speaking with some of my colleagues about it, none of them have ever seen that charge. I mean, you, you've got someone who has a drug addiction, so who has some kind of a, a problem, a personal problem they're dealing with, and they possess a firearm. And of course, the law says we don't want those people to possess a firearm because if they're addicted to drugs, who knows what they're going to do with that gun. Um, on that charge, they were recommending that he get a diversionary program. And what that is, is you say, yes, I'm guilty, but the judge doesn't enter a conviction against you. You don't become a convicted felon for that offense. And if you show the judge over a period of time that's agreed upon, 
a year, two years, three years, whatever, that you are not going, not likely to get in trouble again, the case against you is eventually dismissed. Uh, the judge here um, didn't accept the plea agreement, uh, which is virtually unheard of. Mostly judges accept plea agreements. In federal court, judges uh, are much more likely to micromanage a plea agreement. And I think that what you had here was you had a Trump-appointed judge, and the Trump-appointed judge, we've seen the federal judiciary get a little bit more political over the last few years, unfortunately. Uh, and I think that she was just, I'm going to put this guy through the ringer. I ultimately think that the plea agreement will be accepted by the judge. Uh, she can't order the Department of Justice to charge him with a felony. She can't order the Department of Justice to proceed with a felony prosecution for the gun. She either accepts the deal or, or they can do whatever they want at that point. So ultimately, I think she'll accept it. So interesting, um, the prosecutor in this case, um, I believe, was a Republican. Uh, he's a Republican, or at least he has identified that way. So this diversion program, and I'm hearing, you know, on various uh, news networks that this is a sweetheart deal. And oh, my gosh, let's just go back to what you said about both of these charges. You know, my understanding is that over 11 million people in this country owe taxes. It's not a good thing. I'm not saying don't pay your taxes. And please don't start texting me all those kinds of hate texts. <laughs> but it's it. I've never I don't know that I've ever really seen uh, a charge, a felony charge, where someone's n- for not paying taxes. Now you you get hit up for fa- falsifying business expenses, let's say, or uh, you know, like not reporting your income or that type of thing. But just simply not paying is generally not prosecuted as a felony, right? As you said, that is absolutely correct. So, yeah. so the misdemeanors, taking misdemeanors on those counts, is kind of a no-brainer. I mean, it's not a sweetheart deal. It's just business is normal. In fact, the bringing of the charges was abnormal. Um, As a felony, I don't know that it's is abnormal. I mean, he's charged with the misdemeanors um, for those offenses. It's not something you see when someone's willing to pay the money back, and you have to. So, so if Hunter Biden was anyone else other than Hunter Biden. So he was, you know, Joe Smith. Uh, I think that I could confidently say that when the IRS approached him and said, you owe these taxes, fees, penalties, and so forth, if he had paid them, uh, he would not have gotten prosecuted. You know, here in uh, in Chicago, we saw the, the Beanie, Baby, uh, Beanie Baby guy, Ty Warner, got prosecuted for not paying taxes, $80 million. And he had hidden the money. Uh, and, and he got prosecuted with a felony. And I believe ultimately did not go to jail. He didn't get any jail time. But that's really the scope of how egregious failing to pay your taxes has to be to get charged with a felony. Steve, um, a texter had a question, and I did hear this issue. Um, There was some idea that the plea agreement involves some sort of amnesty for future crimes. Is that true? Do you you know anything about that issue? Um, They cannot give you amnesty. That that is something that has been bandied about. Um, What a plea agreement usually says is that that particular prosecuting authority will not bring future charges 
against you that they know about now. But they can't give you a get-out-of-jail card uh, for the future. If Hunter Biden went out tomorrow and and imported a semi-truck full of cocaine, he wouldn't just be able to get away with it because of this plea agreement. Yeah, I think it's being wrongly reported because I've heard this uh, on the street. People are saying the plea agreement included some get-out-of-jail card free that would include everything going forward, but that that's impossible. No one would ever have agreed to that. That would mean he could go out and murder people and, and not get prosecuted. So right. I think, and, I think, and, Go ahead. And a, a, a federal plea agreement will only bind the people you're pleading with. So, for instance, if I enter into a plea agreement in Chicago, it's not binding on the federal prosecutor in Milwaukee. Right. Right. So, so it, would it be normal for the plea agreement to include a provision that said for everything in the past, we are now square, as, at least as far as this prosecutor? Uh, no. I don't think it it would have that either. Um, If it had that, I would agree. He's got a sweetheart uh, deal. I think that it it says it would relate to these things. So in other words, the plea agreement will say that they won't bring any more tax charges against him. Or the diversion agreement will say he won't be prosecuted any further. Let's say the gun that he had hypothetically had a, a filed off serial number, which is a very serious federal crime. The plea agreement, they wouldn't be able to prosecute him for that. But if there's other crimes out there, and the one that, that of course, you hear so often is peddling his influence for his dad, uh, he's absolutely not going to be getting a free pass on that in this agreement. So the, the, the world, his legal world is, is not safe, at least at this point. I mean, he, he, yeah, could, he could still be prosecuted. may or may not be over, depending on what is uncovered in relation to his activities and running around and saying, you know, uh, pay me this money and my father will do wonderful things for you. Right, right. Stephen Greenberg, thank you so much for joining us and clarifying uh, these issues. Uh, Why don't you give out your contact information one more time? Sure. It's GreenbergTrialLawyers.com or my cell phone is 312-399-2711. Thank you so much. You can get out and enjoy the beautiful day. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. And stay tuned. We'll be talking to Patrick Dolan some more and taking your legal questions at 312 981 7200.